0: Looking to revamp your organization's culture? The Small Giants Community Summit is an annual event in Detroit that brings together purpose-driven leaders from all over the world. Our next summit is April 26th through 28th, 2022, and we'll focus on the theme of Culture Reboot. The past couple of years have brought on a lot of change, and we want to find the human element amidst it all. We'll have speakers and panelists dive into fresh perspectives on topics like onboarding, financial transparency, and mental health. Visit the Small Giants website to register for your ticket to the summit today.
1: My guest today is Eric Rieger. Eric is the founder and president of WebIt Services, a people-focused IT strategy service and support company serving eight counties in Northern Illinois. They've been around for 25 years and are an Inc. 5000 winner and an Inc. Best Place to Work. Their stated goal is to impact 1,200 organizations by the year 2030. Welcome, Eric.
2: Hey, Paul, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to come on the show.
1: Thanks for being here. Right away, when I think about that introduction and what's very clear from the time I've gotten to know you, uh, and even in your on your website and the way you talk, just this idea of a people focused IT services company—maybe things that don't naturally go together the way you normally think about IT companies uh, or that that industry. Um, so when did you decide to run the business that way maybe share a couple examples
2: in in our industry um, you know people who who are passionate about technology kind of get lost in in the shiny bells and whistles and there's the forgotten part of this is you know the technology should be serving the people not the other way around and so we put a very big emphasis on you know not just putting technology in for the sake of it being new or shiny or the latest buzzword, but, you know, really what are the goals and the, and the goals should align with the mission of the organization. And, you know, how is that helping people, humanity in general? So it, it really ties into, you know, our core purpose and how we
1: want to live and have the the machine serve us rather than the other way around. Yeah, I think that's, that's great. You've been around a long time of uh, 25 years and just now uh, coming towards the end of last year after I'm sure lots of thought and discussion you decided to form an esop and sell a portion of the company to the employees how connected is that to this idea of running a company with purpose values and being people focused
2: it's it's everything for me and you know when i first started the company i didn't have a clue as to what I was doing, there was really no roadmap or anything. So, um, I, I don't necessarily know I would write a book and say, this is, this is how you want to start a company. Um, I left a software company I was working at cause the culture was horrible. Um, and I just said I could do better than this and, you know, started to figure it out along the way. And it became evident, you know, early on that, um, in peer groups, I was part of and any coaching I was receiving, Everybody's focused on your exit strategy. It's a it's a buzzword, and it it just never sat well with me, especially when I was younger. Because in our our family history, you know, your exit strategy is when they carry you out in a box. And uh, <laughs> one one of the coaches I had said, "Well, don't lead with that in your marketing because you're not really going <laughs> to instill confidence and attract the right people if yeah. if you don't seem to have a plan." Because everybody exits the business whether they want to or not. So. I had to have a a shift in the way I was thinking about exit and, you know, we started doing open book management in 2016. And that's when the whole concept of ESOP really kind of started crystallizing in, in view. And I said, that's, that's the ticket because, you know, with the open book, you're teaching people how a business runs the financial stewardship, And the more they know, the more empowerment you give them, the, you know, if you're hiring the right people, people come to work and they want to do a good job that nobody intentionally comes to work trying to take the company out. And, you know, there's this in in income inequality gap that keeps growing in the U S. And so it just, it made a lot of sense that, you know, I, I could have sold this company probably a hundred times over for more money than the ESOP is going to provide me. But that's I'm, I'm totally fine with that because my purpose for starting the company was to help make lives better, not enrich my own pockets. And people I've, I've talked to in, in peer groups and coaching and, and things like that, sometimes, you know depending on their values and, and their purpose for doing things in business, there, there can be some friction there. Um, you know, they're, you're leaving money on the table. It's you know, it's not fair. You take all the risk. You should you should get rewarded for that. And my counter to that is, you know, there's no company without the people. I I'm definitely not the smartest one in this company by far. And you know, I I'm good at the vision. I'm good at you know those those types of things and and creating a purpose. But you know, the execution part, you have to have, you know, smart people who want to align to that purpose. And why shouldn't they share in the success that they're helping to create? That, that was really how I tie it all together.
1: Yeah, that makes complete sense. And, and you've relied, it sounds like, um, on your people all these years, and even outside influence. Um, talk about the role that mentors, these peer groups and others have had on you starting from scratch.
2: Yeah. Well, the, the, the big, the biggest influence that I had, um, was my father. Um, he was, he was a truck driver for 50 years and he would, he would probably be standing next to me, slapping me upside the head. If he heard me call him a truck driver, because he, he referred to himself as a transportation engineer (laughs) and he was, he was the epitome of professionalism. So you think about truck drivers and I'm sure everybody's got a vision in their head of a guy in a flannel shirt with a trucker hat and grease all over him, overweight, you know, the, 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 the stereotypical, you know, no education, those types of things that, and it, it, it takes a lot to, to operate one of those things. Like I got in his truck many times and looked at all the gauges on the dash and, and, you know, what it took to keep that thing running. He, he was really intelligent when it came to the mechanical aspects of it. He wore dress shirts with the American flag on it, and his name, like he, he was very proud of what he did and, you know, the, the role it played in keeping, you know, the country running because you, you see now with the supply chain issues we're having, um, you know, truck driving is, is still a very big part of what makes this country run. And that left a big impression on me. I mean, he wasn't around much because he was an over the road driver, but, you know, he, he took, you know, issue with anybody who thought less of his profession than say, like a doctor or a lawyer in his mind, they all, you know, make the economy run. And so that, that left an impression on me. And when I was unhappy at the software company I was working at, he was the biggest supporter and said, you know, this this is, I quote, you have a credit card. Why don't you start a, start your own business? Now that's not advice. <laughs> I'm not telling anybody <laughs> to just go out and run up a bunch of debt, but that was kind of how he approached life. Is you know, you, you you if you don't take your shot, you're going to have all kinds of regret. And I watched him take his shot early on. He tried to buy a, 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 some other trucks and set up a business, and it just wasn't his his thing. And he wound up going bankrupt. But he he told me he taught me a lot of lessons about trusting people, um, you know, hiring and, and all those things at an early age. And he didn't even realize he was doing it. So that was a pretty big influence right out of the bat right out of the gate. And then, you know, I was fortunate to, you know, come across, uh, people in our industry, uh, who were, you know, who had reached places I wanted to go. Um, and, you know, I, 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 had so many mentors along the way, uh, that helped shape me. But uh, another person that I met through peer groups, his name is Doug Diamond. And, and he's, he was uh, he was one of the first coaches who really took time to take an interest in me as a person, as opposed to just being um, a client. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we formed a really strong friendship that still exists to this day. And, you know, he he helped me, you know, figure out who I was, And, you know, also, he was the one who helped me get into therapy for the first time, which was a a really big step for me. Um, So that, you know, those are some
1: some people who had some big influence on me along the way. Yeah. Um, You know, I want to dig in a little bit more to even your childhood and those influences early on. Um, You talk about therapy. I, I, I know that even dealing with your mom, you that that was a subject that came up and got mm-hmm. you to appreciate the value of counseling and therapy. Talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's, it's funny, you know, the adage is opposites attract in a marriage. And, and for as much as I look up to my father, um, I, I don't have the same fond memories of my relationship with my mother. And, you know, looking back, he was, he was pretty much the buffer between us. And, you know, there's, there's things inside of me. I, I've learned along the way that you can't right every wrong and I was a very angry person uh, in my youth because I, I, I can't stand injustice. And when I see a wrong being done, like I was hellbent on making a right out of it because I believe in fairness. I believe in equality. And, you know, for as much as my dad would give the shirt off his back for anybody, he always put everybody before himself. He was the last person he took care of. Um, my mother was the opposite. She was a narcissist. Uh, She didn't do anything for anyone. She was the center of her own universe. And I was kind of blind to it. And a lot of people, you know, including her make you feel bad because they use the, well, it's your mother. You should respect your mother. You should honor your mother. And, you know, respect is still something that has to be earned. And if somebody's, you know, doing something that's, that's mentally abusive to you, Regardless of whether they're related to you or not, you have to extricate yourself from that situation. And my, you know, my coach Doug, he he was he was fortunate or unfortunate in his case to see some of the negative connotations for not dealing with issues in my childhood spill out into the work environment, um, it just into my personality. And I would I, I suffered from depression most of my life, and I would go into dark places. And once he, you know he finally convinced me, you know, in a in a gentle way over a period of a year to get into therapy, um, I, I started working through some of those issues with my therapist. And eventually, you know, I, I gave my mother the choice of you know come on this journey with me and let's figure this out, um, or I I can't have you in my life. And without hesitation, she opted to not be part of it, and because she doesn't think there's anything wrong with her. And that was you know people say that was. Courageous and and you know it had to be difficult, and and to be honest with you, it was it was like a huge weight off my shoulders because I had beat myself up for a very very long time, and how that spilled into the business is, in my mother's eyes, nothing was ever good enough. You the bar kept getting moved higher and higher. You could never please her. It was a never ending quest uh, for perfection. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, when you bring those traits into your own business and then your people, you have really good people who are working for you and they try to please you and they try to, you know, do the right thing. And you're constantly moving the bar on them and setting goals that are unattainable. um, it, It can kill your culture. So that, you know, getting myself straightened out and it's, it's a journey I'll be on for the rest of my life, but at least identifying the roots of that and, you know, getting professional help, because it's, I can guarantee it's not something you're going to work through on your own, um, especially if that person is still has access to you or is part of your life. Um, That was, that was a really big turning point for me as a person. And then I've just, I'm fortunate, you know, to have the people in my life who stuck around, you know, who put up with, um, you know, some of the not great times, Um, you know, and then now they're rewarded by having, you know, a more intentional me who's, you know, really because you still slip back sometimes, but at least you're aware of of those habits creeping in and you can catch them and put them in a box and contain them very quickly as opposed to letting things fester and, and creating environments that are toxic.
1: And I think that level of transparency, genuineness that you had has probably enhanced those relationships many fold that you have with people that are close to you um, and built trust. Uh, you know, that trust like you learned from your dad. So, you know, good for you. That, that did take a lot of courage. But like you said, um, it freed you to be yourself. Um, and, and you also have the courage to seek help and, uh, and seek therapy. And, and uh, we all have to realize that it's just not it's life's not easy. Business isn't easy and life gets in the way and and all the background that we have all contributes to the relationships we have inside and outside of our business. So for you to uh, address that head on, uh, well, I wouldn't say head on, I'm sure it was, you know, over a long period of time. And the fact that you'll always have this as part of you is just part of who you are. But being open about that um, pays dividends in many ways. So, you know, good for you. Uh, any, any other influences, you know, in the early days, early jobs or school that, that you can think of?
2: Well, I was, I was fortunate, you know, again, my, my father didn't graduate high school. His father passed away from a heart attack when, when he was uh, still in high school and he had to quit and and take a job to provide for the family. Um, but he, you know, part of, part of his makeup was he was not going to let that happen to his own children. And so he worked extremely hard so that I could go to, uh, you know, get a private education. And, you know, there were a lot of people in, in that, you know, institutions that I was part of uh, that, that you could tell they took a genuine interest. And it's it's funny you mentioned that because the, uh, the gentleman who was the executive director of the high school I went to, Uh, recently retired and he reached out and he's been going on a listening tour and he came out and talked to me and I've introduced him to some of the coaches I work with uh, because he's considering going into coaching. So, you know, those are, I still talk to a vast majority of people I went to high school with. It was a small school. There was less than a hundred people in our graduating class. So, Um, you know, we formed some tight friendships and tight bonds, and some of those people went on to start their own businesses. Um, one of them is actually a client of ours. So we talk all the time and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's those types of relationships. I, you know, some of them were not intentional mentorships, but they just, you know, just by learning from one another and, you know, having a lot of that commonality, it's, it's stood the test of time, you know, good times and bad times. And, you know, we're still, we're, we're still in, in touch and, you know, still learning and helping one another.
1: It's amazing that you have maintained those connections for all those years. That really says a lot. Uh, I also understand that you had, um, you had your own health scare, uh, that resulted in you even looking at your, your diet, things like that, that have impacted your life. What happened there?
2: Yeah. I mean, it had me looking at my own mortality. So it was, uh, it was, it was quite interesting, um, before the pandemic in 2019, um, I got to probably the heaviest weight I've been in my life, and my overall health was just not great. Um, tired all the time, brain fog, um, just not you know my best self. The stress at the at the at the job was you know uh, compounding things. Um, I'm a stress eater. Uh, I have a sugar addiction. So all these lovely things were, were, you know, in addition to the, to the mental health issues. So painting a really nice picture of what, what I was like to be around, but I just woke up one day and I'm like, I, I just, I can't continue on. So I decided I, I went online, I bought the new map, uh, that's N O O M and that they, mm-hmm. they teach you the psychology of, of eating. And so I started focusing on my diet and I started walking and, you know, they set, you know, achievable goals. I was walking like a couple thousand steps a day. I graduated, you know, over time to about 10,000. And then before you know it, I was walking between five and 10 miles a day and, and I started losing weight. And in the course of that, I had back problems. Um, I, I finally was diagnosed. I went into, had an MRI done and, and, uh, 50% of my L5 disc has deteriorated. So the walking, um, I started losing feeling in my, my right leg and my right arm over a period of time, if I walked too much, so they, you know, there was some other tests they did and whatnot. And, You know, then the pandemic hit, I was doing a little physical therapy on that. And then the pandemic hit and kind of just shifted back into not really thinking about my own health, but, you know, the safety of the employees here and the, and the business in general. And, you know, for the first probably six months, um, everything was, was status quo. Um, I was managing, you know, to walk and and things like that and get my, you know, regular exercise in. But, you know, the stress of that built up and my diet started to slip a little bit. And as I said, I'm a sugar addict, so that's my drug of choice. And that's how I was, you know, uh, medicating myself uh, for the stress. And then I, I started to gradually feel worse. I could feel my body becoming inflamed. And I, I just got to a point, um, last year I woke up and I, I literally couldn't walk. Um, I, my, my back got so bad that I, I couldn't get out of bed. I was, I was bedridden for two days and I felt like I was 80 years old and it, it just hit me like, what, what in the heck happened to my back? So I went to the doctor, they put me back in for an MRI and the MRI showed, you know, no real change in the disc problem. Uh, but it, it uncovered, there was a cyst on my kidney Mm. So they sent me for uh, an ultrasound to just check. And my doctor said that about 50% of the people who have the, or 50% of the population has these, and they never realize it until they have some other, you know, scan or something done. And he says, probably nothing. So don't, don't really worry about it. So I, I didn't, I went in the ultrasound, came back, the results for that, uh, came back to my doctor and said, well, the cyst is fine. There's no problem there, but your liver is almost twice its normal size, there's some separation and you have lesions on it. And so I got a copy of the results and I started uh, Googling and this is why you shouldn't use Google. Um, (laughs) But every, everything that I found about the the diagnosis from the ultrasound tech uh, pointed to liver cancer. And so I was, I was freaking out a bit, you know, because you really can't live without your liver. And so they said, well, we, we have to get you into a CT scan with the contrast and figure out what's going on here. So I had four days to just sit and think about my future and, you know, without the, without the test results, you're, you're going in all different directions and, you know, it's, it's, it's a real, you know, come to terms to come to grips with the fact that Mm -hmm. we do have an expiration date. So the, the end of the story is, you know, I, I, I'm laying there in the CT scanner and, and, you know, it's a half hour and the machine tells you when you can and can't breathe they shoot the dye into you and that's a fun feeling. And then you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait for the results. And I knew one of two things was going to happen. I was either going to get a phone call from my doctor or I was going to get an email with the results saying, you know, it's not, it's not uh, terminal. And so about six o'clock that night, the, the, you know, I was just glued to my phone and it dings and there's a, there's a message in the inbox and I kind of just lost it because I knew you know, it wasn't the worst case scenario. And it turns out that I, I was diagnosed with what they call non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, Mm -hmm. which is the result of a diet. And about 25% of the Americans have it because of the the diets we eat. So I, I took a radical look at things and I altered my diet. I cut out sugar, I cut out fried foods, I cut out uh, red meat. Um, I didn't really drink much, but I said no more alcohol. Um, and then really restricted dairy and, uh, anything with white flour. And in doing so I've lost since then about 35 pounds, a, an additional, um, my blood pressure is normal. Everything's, you know, brain fog is gone. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like a new person, but it, it kind of took getting to the brink of that to, you know, wake me up and, and say, you only, you only get one shot at this um you know if you don't take care of your health you can't no matter how big your visions are you really can't help anybody if you're you know stuck in a bed and you can't walk and you have days to live so that was my journey
1: yeah really scary but at the same time there's a there's a theme here eric which is that you you take action based on what happens right you you uh whether it's the situation with your mom or your own health uh some people will just let it go and and uh the worst can happen and what you've done is to listen to experts do what you need to do and then take action as a result of it so great job What whatever happened to the back are you able to still walk or is that is that even hard for you today
2: it's, it's funny because I, I started you know changing things with the exercise. So I bought a tonal, I bought a, a bike, I bought a treadmill, I bought a rower, um, all the things that they tell you not to do when you have back injury. And I'm actually, I've never run before in my life, but I'm, I'm up to where I can run for almost four minutes a day on the treadmill in intervals and I'm like, my knees don't hurt. My back doesn't bother me. Um, I can turn my, I used to have shoulder problems. So the, the diet really is a key. Um, you know, what you put into your body uh, really it's the fuel. And, it, and it, it, if you're exercising, if you're putting the wrong fuel in, it's kind of like putting sugar in your gas tank. If, if, you know, you can have the best engine in the world, oil changes and all that stuff and you gum up the works and it's not going to work. And by cleaning up my diet, it's, it's allowed my body to perform, uh, better than it ever has. And, you know, so I'm even considering at some point, maybe taking my hockey gear out of retirement. It's been 12 years since I put skates Mm on. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm back in the mobile world and, uh, actually uh, I wouldn't call myself a runner, but for in in you know compared to my benchmarks from before of not ever being able to run, you know four minutes is uh, an, an eternity for someone like me.
1: Oh, gosh, I resonate so much with uh, all of it you've gone through. Uh, I've got degenerative disc disease in my back, and I've had for years. And and I remember the best doctor I ever saw, who told me first, well, you can't. The surgery is not going to help you. And he said to me at the time, he goes, are are you at your fighting weight? And I think it was a nice, uh, a nice way of saying, you know, that might help. And I think I was about, you know, 30 pounds heavier than I am now. And that was just the the trigger for me um, to say, okay, this is really going to help me. And I've always been active and, and, uh, and, you know, as we get older, it it gets tougher. But by, again, watching what we put on our body and, and maintaining, um, that schedule of exercise, whatever that turns out to be, uh, I, I'm able to really, for the most part, live pain-free uh, and, and be, uh, continue to be active. I've seen the tonal uh, looks really cool. Are, do you enjoy that?
2: Yeah. And, and if you've got the, the degenerative disc, uh, condition, that's it because it's electromagnetic weights and it's free weights are the worst thing you can do if you've got back problems. So yeah. having the electromagnetic that can sense, uh, challenges, it's even AI driven, which, you know, for a tech nerd like me, it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but you can, the, the doctor even said that, you know, if you are going to lift, you, sh- you should use, uh, you know, resistance weights, not uh, free weights. So I, I, definitely recommend it or at least check it out. Uh, if you're ever in the area, feel free to stop by. I'll, I'll give you a demonstration.
0: that's awesome. (laughs) Let's take a quick break as a business owner. Are you continually searching for less stress, more time, freedom, and increased profits prosper for business by Mackie might be the solution you've been looking for. Prosper for Business is both an executive coaching program and fractional CFO service designed to deliver exceptional results through increased education, visibility, and accountability. Prosper for Business graduate Jude Hemann, CEO of Furlong Building Enterprises said, the decision to work with Mackey was a life changer. They truly care about our success and give us the tools to do so. Working with the Mackey team also helped Julie Bach, owner of the Bach Group, see things in the business she hadn't seen before that led her to the business being more efficient, productive, and profitable. Does Prosper for Business sound like the right next step for your business? Visit mackeyadvisors.com slash smallgiants. That's m-a-c-k-e-y advisors.com slash smallgiants to learn more. And now back to the podcast.
1: So um, as we kind of bring you back through all these personal challenges and yet, um, the success you're having in growing the business, um, growing your team, um, how, uh, what's it been like, uh, in the, even in the last few years, as you've continued to grow the business in terms of developing your own leadership team to, to help you, uh, grow the company?
2: Yeah, that's that's been another challenge that, you know, the last couple of years, I don't want to say we've solved it, but it's it's certainly, you know, 180 degrees from where we were uh, prior. And there were there were several key hires that came on board. And the first one is uh, Tim Montague. He, he goes by Monty here. And he was working with one of our vendors and I just happened to notice on LinkedIn that he uh, you know, updated his profile, that he was open to, to work, reached out to him and him and I align from a, a culture and value standpoint, like, you know, it's like we could be brothers. And so we started talking, and and he actually joined our team before we even negotiated salary and everything. He just started showing up, and uh, he 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 totally aligned with the vision I I outlined for you know what I where I wanted to take the company, and he was all in. And a couple couple months after being here, he's he introduced me to uh, Paul Armstrong. And he came on and uh, joined the team uh, to head up our operations. And uh, he, he recently was promoted to president of the company. Uh, I took on the title of CEO and that's part of our EOS journey. I can talk to you about it a little later, but um, he's the integrator. I'm the visionary. And, and once we figured out how to work together, it's been uh, very complimentary and it's, it's helped really align the team. And then um, Matt Price is our uh, CTO and he heads up our software division. He actually worked with me at the software company before I started this company and followed along. And, and he's been with us for about five years and you, you're not going to find a better teacher, um, a better mentor for the developers that we have on our, our, in our software division. Um, just a very even keeled person, uh, a, a giver, a servant leader at heart. And, um, you know, then we rounded out the leadership team last year, uh, Joanne joined our team as the controller. Uh, she's got a lot of experience in the industry and, you know, so we have, uh, the sales, the, the finance and the operations all humming along now. And there's, there's harmony and vision and unity on the leadership team, which then translates down into the rest of the company and, and the
1: gears are really starting to align and, and, you know, we're getting traction because of it. Yeah, nothing like having the right people in the right seats at the time, and and that's a journey oh, for that, sure. that never ends. Um, what can you think of a, a a really tough or humbling decision that you've had to make as a leader in the last few years?
2: The hardest thing as a leader uh, that I, I ever have to do is is when you have to let someone go. Um, you always want to you the, you know the goal as a leader is to build other leaders, and you want to help people on their journey. Um, you want to help them grow in the organization. You want to help them grow in their careers. Sometimes that's, that's not going to be with you and that's okay. Um, But if they're just not, if things just aren't fitting, if they don't, if they're not a core values fit, or if they're just not on board with direction of the organization, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who always wants to believe the best, but you, you also have to hold people accountable. And if you get to that point where somebody has to be let go, it's, it's, you still take responsibility for that as a leader and it, it hurts. Um, and it's a, it's the most difficult thing I think, um, any, any leader can do in a business.
1: It really is. I think that's usually the answer to that question because it is painful and it takes courage. But, uh, if we're honest, a lot of times we procrastinate when, making that tough decision. And uh, and we not only owe it to ourselves and our company, but this person who may thrive somewhere else. And so it's always a challenge to say, you know, when we know in our gut, in our heart, that this person doesn't belong on the team long-term, we owe it to everybody to, to act as quickly as possible, but uh, nobody ever says easy. Um, so Eric, as you think about your Continuing journey, what is an area of leadership that you think you still need to improve on?
2: For for me, it's controlling my emotions. I I think you know, just talking about the journey I've been on with the uh, therapy, the mental health. um, I'm an emotional person. I'm very passionate about what I do, and you know, sometimes I've gotten a lot better at this. But instead of thinking about all the possibilities of what could go right. Uh, Sometimes my mind goes to a dark place and thinks about all the things that can go wrong. Um, And again, that's, that's part of my childhood creeping in. So I I really have to be intentional um, and not let my emotions control me and, and not overreact to a situation. And that's, that's the one thing we have 100% control of is how we react to something. You, you, there's some things that are completely out of your control, but how you react to them is always within your control. And I just, I still have a lot of work to do in that
1: area. But being self-aware of it means that you're likely stopping and pausing now uh, in more than you ever have to be aware of that and to be able to adjust when, when you need to. Um, so that, great work there. Um, now uh, you've been at this in the business for 25 years, starting from nothing. Uh, you're now uh, going to introduce an ESOP to transfer some ownership to the employees. Just a great success story, uh, continual challenges that you'll have along the way, as as we all know. What advice would you give, Eric, to somebody that's maybe just starting out?
2: Something I wish I would have realized early on, because when, especially if you're younger, you know, like when I was in my 20s, you, you have that. If you you feel like you're immortal, you're going to, you're going to live forever. You've got plenty of time and just knowing and understanding the value of your time. uh, You might not be an expert in something, but that doesn't mean your, your time is, is of no value. And the older you get, the less time you have and the more valuable that time becomes. So the things that you say yes to those decisions become even more important as you go along, Um, and then the the other, the other piece of it is when we were starting out, um, you know, for, from a business perspective, we took anybody and everybody who would, you know, sign a contract and that took years to undo when we had bad relationships and we, we didn't price our services according to the value we were providing. And that, that can, those decisions can kill a business if you're not careful. So, understanding the value of the time because you only have 24 hours in a day and you, you absolutely have to have time dedicated to, to uh, taking care of yourself. So how you spend your time and the decisions, the things you say yes to, and the things you say no to, be intentional about the things you say no to and, and really kind of frame who you want to work with. Um, what you want to accomplish, get get all those things figured out early on, so that the things you are devoting the time your
1: time to will will continue to build on that purpose. That's great advice. Uh, your your story is just so refreshing, Eric. And um, there's just more to come. I know in terms of the contribution you're making to the to the people in the company, uh, I, I have no doubt you guys are going to reach that goal of the impact you want to have on. The organizations that you serve. uh, And just great advice to say we also have to be careful to utilize our values in choosing who we work with and what clients we have, and not just chasing after everything to drive revenues, but uh, have the right clients on the right terms. Um, So I want to close with our our typical five quick hit questions like the association game, maybe just name the first thing that comes to your mind with these. Uh, can you name a leader that you look up to?
2: Yeah, recently um, I've, I've gotten grown really fond of Tony Dungy. Um, he's a former NFL coach and I just finished reading his book called soul of a team. Um, I have a ton of respect for how he carries himself uh, especially if you're familiar with any of his story, uh, the adversity he's faced in his life, and and how he leveraged his faith, and and uh, it just the the leadership that he has, um, I I think he's a very
1: underrated person in in the leadership uh, discussion. That's a great one. Uh, you mentioned his book, but is there another great book that influenced your leadership style?
2: Uh yeah, well, I mean, outside of the obvious in in small giants, um, that's that's one that's near and dear to my heart because when I when I read that book, it was it really hit home. Uh like those are the types, you know, the companies that were profiled in the in the original book. Um, I like I want to be like that. I want to make sure that we're focusing on our purpose, our mission, the outcomes that we're delivering, and not the money part. And, you know, taking um you know, taking opportunity and putting it through the filter of, of, you know, who we want to work with and the impact they're having. Um, And just, you know, I got, I got to know Ari Weinswig from Zingerman's a little bit and, you know, their story about turning down Disney Um, who turns down Disney, you know, if, if you're not focused uh, you know, those opportunities can come and they can change the course of, of your, your organization, your life. And then there's another book um, I've I've read it probably ten times now. Uh, it's Simon Sinek's latest book, The Infinite Game, and that really changed my mindset of, of what winning is all about in business. And you know, when you're in peer groups and things, and everybody's using financial scoreboards as you know the indicator of winning and losing, um, his his book really was a, a big mind shift. In you know, we're here to be here today, tomorrow, the next day, hundred years from now. And that just lines up perfectly with what we're trying to do with the ESOP as well.
1: Yeah, but well, obviously, two great examples of wonderful books. And I remember when I first read Small Giants too. that's exactly what I said. I want to be like that. Yep. <laughs> um, how about an all-time favorite movie?
2: I have a tie. I have two. So they're, they're completely opposite of one another too. So you might laugh, but, uh, the first one is serendipity, uh, with Kate Beckinsale and John Cusack. Cause I'm uh, deep down, I'm a, a hopeless romantic. Okay. Um, and the other is Slapshot, which is completely the opposite of, of that. But I grew up a hockey player and, and for the longest time, uh, that was the funniest movie until until now you watch it uh, in the modern day and you realize how politically incorrect some of the things in there are,
1: but still funny. That's what makes it good. Uh, that is a great <laughs> movie. Um, and we're big hockey fans. So I love that one, too. Uh, how about a favorite TV series you like to binge?
2: Yeah, that's that's a, that was more difficult for me to think about because I I don't watch a lot of TV. If I do, it's typically something educational or sports related. But in the last couple of years with the pandemic, um, a lot of late nights. So I got hooked on a series on Amazon called utopia. And unfortunately it got canceled after the first season. So, but I, I binged that and mm-hmm. then Schitt's Creek was hysterical Yeah, and I'm addicted to curse of Oak Island because of the history of that, that story. So that's there on season nine now. So be aware if you're, if you get hooked on that, you got a lot of watching to
1: do. (laughs) Well, some of us have a lot of time, so uh, (laughs) I could get into that one. Uh, And lastly, what's something about you that many people don't know?
2: Uh, Unless, unless you were in my life when I was younger, you wouldn't know that for one glorious year, I was a professional bowler on the PBA regional Midwest regional tour. Um, and I also played college hockey, so those my my sports past is long buried and long forgotten. But uh, if you've if you've been fortunate enough to uh, witness some of those <laughs> some
1: of those sporting events, you you probably have some fond memories like I do. That's awesome. I used to be a bowler too, way in my much younger days. Uh, that's great. What a great story. Um, it's been so lovely to talk to you, Eric, and and hear. Uh, what you have been through, the impact that you're making. And I think uh, I want to reflect a little bit on on what I heard, because I I think so many people would just simply identify with you, maybe different circumstances, but in terms of the relationships and the struggle with certain relationships, whether they be family or otherwise, um, tracking mental health, tracking physical health, all the things that, that impact how we live and work every day uh, and ultimately the success or lack of success of the businesses we try to grow. And you've been um, very aware of, uh, of your own sensibilities all this time. Uh, like many people, that when you started your business, you, you left a business that you weren't happy at and said, I, I think I could do this better and started on your own. You've always valued uh, mentors, coaches, peer groups. So you didn't try to do this in a bubble. You've always learned from others and um and your own personal purpose is to help make lives better and and knowing that and dealing with your own demons and your own uh vulnerabilities you've been able to make i i know many many lives better uh the the lessons from your dad right the transportation engineer i love that um how how proud he was of his own um job and the impact that he was making it doesn't matter what profession that you're in uh uh the uh how he supported you when you jumped into business that you know you needed to take a shot and that that gave you the courage in part to be able to make that decision uh uh you know we could feel sorry about the relationship that you had with your mom and and we'd all want to have great relationships with our parents but you dealt with it uh you dealt with it by seeking help and um confronting your mom and then being able to move on and 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 create a better life for yourself and everybody around you. And you deserve a lot of credit for that. Uh, you know, the, the physical side, the, the, that's a scary situation that you went through, um, especially during the pandemic and, and, uh, you know, it's ups and downs, but what did you do? You tackled it. Uh, you got good news in, in that email, um, and you said, "Okay, this is going to be my moment to do what I uh, I know is right." So you made some changes in in your life, but um, uh, look look what the result is. And and congrats on being able to run on that treadmill. That's just a, a great way to end that part of the story. I know that will continue. Um, I think the biggest impact that you're going to have, Eric, is really the impact on other people by being as vulnerable and genuine as you are, uh, saying that a leader. A leader's job is really to help build other leaders, and that's why we're here. Uh, and 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 while you're so humble, and and you realize that that business success is about impact, not about the money. Um, I believe you can have both. You can you can have impact. You can make money. You can you can have you can have it all um, if you have the right perspective. Um, and I think the perspective you shared, lastly, about the advice for younger people to protect your time, understand the value of your time, understand that it's okay to say no, make the best choices you can. Sometimes when we're really young, we we don't really have the tools to make those choices, so it's easy in hindsight. But it's just uh, great advice that uh, I'll share with my teenage kids uh, for sure. Um, so uh, continued success, Eric. Thank you for being part of the Small Giants community, and uh, and I look forward to following your journey. Really appreciate you being on the podcast today.
2: It's, it's been uh, an honor and a pleasure, and I'm uh, happy, to, happy to have this conversation anytime. Thanks for having me.
1: And thanks for listening to this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about purpose-driven leadership, go to smallgiants.org or follow us on Twitter at SmallGiantsBuzz. Until next time.